Tacos and sun chips are a terrible combination the night before a run. Trust me, people, I'm talking from experience because about five years ago, this was my pre-race dinner. Not surprisingly enough, the next day, about midway through my 10K, I had a major case of runner's gut that sent me sprinting off course in search of a place to do my business in the middle of a residential neighborhood with not a Porter John in sight, no less. So yeah, good times. If you're not familiar with the term runner's gut, neither was I, because before my bubble gut nightmare run happened to me, if a person would have asked me what runner's gut was, I probably would have pointed to my stomach after a large meal. Still, since then, I've become moderately familiar with this ailment that has plagued runners such as myself. But most importantly, I've learned a few tweaks to health habits can make the difference between those who experience GI issues like runner's gut during a run and those who don't. In this episode of the RVA Running Man podcast, I speak with Dr. Nina Nandy. Dr. Nandy is a gastroenterologist at Austin Regional Clinic in Austin, Texas, and co-host of American Gastroenterological Association podcast, Small Talk, Big Topics. In our conversation, we discuss stomach issues that can impact your running, what causes these issues, and ways to manage them. Runners, as a reminder, the content in this episode represents the opinions of Devin Haskin and his guests. It is for informational purposes only, not medical advice. So please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions or advice. I would like to welcome to the RVA Running Man podcast, Dr. Nina Nandy of Austin Regional Clinic in Cedar Park, Texas. Dr. Nina Nandy is also a co-host on Small Talk Big Topics um, podcast. Um, Dr. Dr. Nandy, would you like to this give us a little bit of details about you know your background and your podcast and everything that you do? Yeah, sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. This is a great and important topic. And I think I'm, you know, it's wonderful that you're focusing a whole segment on it. Mm -hmm. So about me, I'm uh, Nina Nandy. I'm a triple board certified gastroenterologist, GI internal medicine and obesity medicine. Like you said, I'm practicing in Austin, Texas. I'm a co-host of the American Gastro Association AGA podcast, mm -hmm. Small Talks, Big Topics, available anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at Nina Nandy MD. Okay. Okay. And again, welcome to the show. And Thanks for having me. You're, you're welcome. And <laughs> let me tell you about the idea or where the idea for this episode came from. And this, okay. I've been trying to do an episode um, based on GI issues for a while. And it's because I personally suffered from GI issues for a while with my running. In particular, it was a race about four or five years ago where I actually had to stop and go home. And I'm thinking a big reason behind that is probably diet. Um, but mm -hmm. off again, it was something that I dealt with. And I felt like this is, it'll be good to have an expert on such yourself to kind of go over some things with my listeners to get them to understand, um, you know, either some tips or things that they may be, um, it may be helpful to get them beyond whatever issues they may be suffering from. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first question I have from you for you, um, First, first of all, where did the idea come from behind your podcast, Small Talk, Big Topics? Can you tell me a little bit more about your podcast and uh, 
uh, exactly what you guys cover there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually started being a co-host for our podcast in 2019. Mm -hmm. It's a gastroenterology podcast made by GI docs for other GI docs. And I kind of wanted to focus on early career development and help mentoring, you know, young GIs and early career physicians in the field. And some of the content we get to create, which is really cool, you know, like negotiation, uh, different types of job things, everything you wanted to learn in training, but we're afraid to ask. And sometimes we do case reports and other things. And it's a great way to network with big deal people in the field that you otherwise would be intimidated to talk to, but everyone's so down to earth and easy to talk to. It's it's been an amazing experience. Oh, good. And and is it a weekly, monthly podcast? Yeah. So we um create episodes that are released every two weeks. Um, okay. we're starting our, our next season, I think, in January. So um yeah. Okay. And yeah, and that's as again, I've I've listened to a couple episodes and you guys who have some interest interest in talking oh, thank you. Topic, <laughs> talking from a person that has utterly no clue um, when it comes to, you know, the GI. And um, I know enough to be dangerous because like I was telling you, (laughs) suffering from it myself and doing my my little research. But um, um, again, the, 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 I think the topic is worth mentioning when it comes to running. Absolutely. Because it affects a lot of people. Yeah. And as it pertains to running, one of the most common things that I know from in my running groups and myself personally that I've suffered from is what's called runner's gut. Um, mm-hmm. If you can, can you explain exactly what that is to to my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So runner's gut, we use it a lot. It's not a well-established medical term, but mm-hmm. we often use it casually to describe GI issues or discomfort that runners experience def- during or after long distance running or intense physical activity. Mm -hmm. And these are symptoms that can range anywhere from nausea, stomach cramps, diarrhea, sometimes vomiting, and even rectal bleeding in some extreme cases. You know, um, about 30 to 81% of runners report some kind of GI stress, uh, including some of those above mentioned symptoms. Wow. It's very common. Now, what causes it? It, What's what's the... um... I guess the triggers for runners gut. Oh yeah. So there are, it's multifactorial, but I would say the most important thing is when you are doing prolonged and intense exercise, your body is diverting blood flow to your muscles away from the GI tract. You're, you're focusing on your heart, your lungs, your breathing, Mm. and that's going to lead to decreased digestion and absorption of nutrients. So you're not getting enough blood flow to the gut and that's going to cause hypoperfusion and Mm. render the gut, uh, you know, prone to ischemia. Um, you can also get gastroparesis. So the gut, gut is not emptying as normally as fast as it should. So okay. that can cause gas and bloating and sometimes vomiting. Um, other things is, you know, if you get dehydrated from not adequately hydrating yourself before a run, you can get GI issues because you decrease your blood volume and that affects blood flow. And, you know, if you've got poor nutritional choices before a run, that can affect GI issues. If you're doing too much high fiber too soon, too close to a run, that's hard for the gut to digest. So it sits in the stomach for a long time and can make those symptoms worse, acid reflux. And then, of course, you know, anxiety and stress um, are a big factor. If you get the pre-run jitters, and that can kind of affect your GI tract as well, because we have more serotonin in our gut than our brain. Wow. Now, you you kind of answer this with uh um with your explanation of what it is but what are some things that runners can do to prevent it or lessen the symptoms of yeah um, of runners got when they have it so absolutely um you know the most important thing is make sure you're staying hydrated before mm-hmm. during and after exercise and uh like i said before don't have too much high fiber meals or very very um 
large meals too close to your running session. And, you know, everybody's gut is different. So you kind of want to experiment with different foods and and nutrition and protein and see what works best for you. Mm. I would consider eating smaller, more digestible meals um, before running more liquids, uh, because that's easier for the gut to process than something very heavy. And you want to... you know, slowly train your body to tolerate longer runs by increasing the duration and the intensity of your workouts. Mm. And, uh, you know, some people with the anxiety and the stress manage your pre-race anxiety with relaxation techniques, deep breathing, Mm. uh, meditation, mindfulness, all of that can be very, very helpful. Now, like in my case, I I tend to suffer it during the middle, like right towards the middle of the run. Mm -hmm. Is there something that a person can do you know, in, I guess, as a temporary bandaid to, to relieve that, or is it too late? You know, once you're, once you're there, it's, you know, you have to kind of work through the symptoms. So it kind of depends on what those symptoms are. Sometimes people get a lot of abdominal spasms and cramping. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes we use medication like dicyclamine, which is a smooth muscle relaxant just for the gut. It won't affect your performance and make you tired or anything like that, but that really helps relax the GI tract. So you don't get as much cramping. Okay. Okay. Does, um, I guess age and or weight, does those demogra- demographics play, um, into account of, you know, who gets it or who suffers from, from runner's gut? Oh yeah. That's a great question. And absolutely. So age and weight are factors that increase the likelihood of experiencing GI issues during or after the run, but they're not the only factors. So GI distress during exercise is complex and it can be influenced by a variety of factors, but here's how age and weight can play a role. So if you're younger, you know, you've got more reserve and you probably have less GI distress than older people because you you adapt to stress a lot better. When you're older, you might be more prone to GI issues due to age-related changes in the GI tract. So when you're older, you generally have decreased gut motility. Things are slower because you have less blood flow, slower emptying, and that can increase the risk of GI discomfort. And then uh, the second thing you asked was weight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not too many extremes. If you're underweight, you may have an increased risk because you don't have the necessary energy reserves to prolong, to support prolonged physical activity. If you're not getting enough calories, um, that can lead to issues. And then if you're overweight, which I don't know a lot of overweight long distance runners, but um, especially if you have more uh, weight around the abdominal area, that can mm-hmm. make reflux worse, you know, because if you have more pressure in the abdomen, it's, you know, lowering the tone of the lower esophageal sphincter. And then all the stomach acid comes right back up into your esophagus. Okay. And if you're heavier, that can make your exercise more strenuous, decrease your, your times. Um, and that can certainly exacerbate GI conditions, but, you know, sorry to ramble, but there's also other individual factors like genetics, dietary habits, uh, training intensity that can determine who's more likely to get GI distress during or after a run. So it's not just about age and weight. There's lots of other factors. Now, when you're saying training intensity is, are you saying that people that, you know, maybe training for a marathon and longer distances or, um, uh, maybe the frequency is, is more, are those factors, um, do they really screw the, skew the numbers 
um, even more if you're, you know, intensifying your workout? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So if you're doing very long distance, you know, marathon running, intense workouts that can, you know, decrease blood flow to the gut even more, but mm -hmm. the best way is training for that and doing it in slow intervals and getting your body accustomed to it. Right, so, right. you know, there's people that run marathons and don't experience any of these. Um, they may, might work with a personal trainer or nutritionist, you know, sports medicine person to kind of help them get into peak physical performance. Right. But, um, you know, just doing such a strenuous activity to your body, um, the more you do, the more it can affect the gut. Does running cause runner's gut? <laughs> in a lack lack of a better phrase, meaning is this something that's yeah. helpful to a person that may uh, normally have GI issues? Would it help prevent them from having GI issues running? Or is it something that um, contributes to a person having more GI issues? Yeah, that's a good question. And and running, you know, like any other form of physical activity has both positive and negative effects on the right. GI tract, depending on lots of factors. So in some cases, running may help alleviate or prevent certain GI symptoms. And in some cases, it makes it worse. So, mm -hmm. you know, some of the potential benefits are that, you know, regular exercise can enhance your overall GI function by promoting motility and reducing the risk of constipation. Right, right. Um, and also it can help you maintain a healthy weight through regular exercise, which helps reduce acid reflux and other things that are caused by excess body weight. Mm -hmm. And then it reduces stress. Uh, you get the catecholamine surge, you get the runner's high, and that can help reduce some of the stress uh, in the GI tract. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, so many cardiovascular benefits, muscle building, but that's outside of GI. And then some of the potential challenges and, and things it can make worse is that, you know, the runs and nausea and cramping and dehydration and decreased perfusion. Okay. And you've mentioned um, a few gastrointestinal diseases um, mm -hmm. that's out there. What are some gastro or are there gastrointestinal intestinal diseases that people should avoid running altogether? Is, is, is there some that, you know, you wouldn't recommend running um, if this is so if people who have, have some chronic GI issues? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So. So if you have certain chronic GI issues, you, you might have to adjust your frequency intensity. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to completely stop, but here's some considerations. So one of the things is if you've got inflammatory bowel disease, like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, mm -hmm. that's a chronic inflammatory condition. So okay. sometimes running is good in those cases because it can reduce inflammation and improve overall well-being, but you might have to modify the intensity and duration of your training program because right. if you're flaring up and if you've got a period of active disease, you know, sometimes, you know, you, your bowel movements are very free, frequent, like you got to go right away. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to make sure you're in remission, you're on the right medications to keep that under check. Um, and also when you have inflammatory bowel disease, you're more prone to nutritional deficiencies because your gut's not absorbing, your inflamed gut's not absorbing all those nutrients. Wow. Um, yeah. And then reflux, you know, if you, you're a person that has reflux, um, running, especially high impact running can make it worse. So you want to make, mm. make sure you're adjusting your meal timing. So don't run right after eating. And then if you're on medication for reflux, like a proton pump inhibitor, a meprazole, pantoprazole, make sure you're taking that before you run. And then, you know, another big thing that a lot of people have is IBS. Right. So irritable bowel, it's yeah. a functional, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's very common, a functional disorder where you can have uh, pain, cramping, altered bowel habits. So just make sure you're uh, avoiding your triggers, your dietary triggers. You want to do low FODMAP diet. So don't have things that have too many polyols and sugars. And there's a lot of sports drinks and, and supplements out there that might have, you know, they're sugar-free, but they have fake sugar that 
makes diarrhea worse. Okay. And it sounds like from what you're saying, your diet is very, very important. Um, if you're a person yeah. that has gastrointestinal diseases, are there some things or certain um, foods that a person that has have, I guess, certain gastrointestinal diseases should um, go towards if they're a, a runner that, you know, a high intensity runner as we, we Yeah. Discuss. So absolutely with high intensity running, you know, your body uses glucose as your primary uh, so source of energy and that's from carbohydrates. Um, and then you kind of use fats as a secondary store and then you need protein to build muscle. But mm -hmm. if you're somebody who has active inflammatory bowel disease, high fiber is going to be hard on an inflamed gut. So you might have to do that when your gut's in better condition. Um, right. And then, you know, if you've got IBS, you want to avoid these high FODMAP foods. So FODMAPs are just, um, you know, it stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. What that means is different sugars in different food groups that are hard to digest and are known to give us gas, bloating, cramping, diarrhea. Right. Um, sometimes beans, legumes, animal dairy is known to be a trigger Um you know, just for lactose intolerance in general. So I think it's better to have kind of almond or oat milk. Um, and then of course, if you've got celiac disease, you want to avoid any supplements that have gluten. Right, right. And when you said high fiber um, foods, it, it took me back. I had a flashback of when I had my yeah. issue during my run. So full transparency, I ate a full bag of sun chips the night before uh -huh. and I had like tacos. And I think <laughs> a lot of that, just settled on my stomach and the next day it just was it was just so bad um did you feel heavy or bloated or nauseous I, or anything well like that? The, the funny thing is during the beginning of my run i was fine but i got and this was a this was something like a 10k it actually mm -hmm. was a 10k so i got to around mile three and that's when i knew you know this run wasn't going to end well um okay so, <laughs> you know you know i i, I kind of figured it had something to do with my you know with my diet after i went back into my mental rolodex and just thought about what I ate the night before, which was a bad idea. So yeah, the gut tends to like plant-based uh, things. It uh, likes uh, plant-based proteins, lean proteins, yeah. and not a lot of processed food. You want to avoid red meat. You want to avoid a lot of, you know, charcuterie boards, things that are cured mm -hmm. with nitrates because those are known to be carcinogenic now. If you are a person that know that you have these GI issues, is it a good thing to maybe carry a diary and track when you, um, when you ha had a episode, is that something that you would recommend? I think food journals are very important for various reasons, and it helps you identify what your potential triggers might be. Okay. You know, so when you look at the FODMAP, it's broken up by different sugars. Not everyone is triggered by the same types of sugars. You know, some okay. people might have a problem with fructose and certain fruits, and some people might be more polyols and, you know, refined sugars, and that could be a problem. And you, you got to look at the sports drinks and the supplements, because a lot of them have a lot of sugar in them, and they're yeah. marketed as being, you know, healthy, you know, <laughs> replenishing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think the next, the one that I've seen recently is Twitch, and it has like double the caffeine, and I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> well, um, caffeine will, will speed up your GI tract and give you the yeah, run. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have friends that run, they they drink coffee, and then they'll go for a run, like a um, and do it. But um, so you got to remember your your gut motility is the highest in the morning. Yeah. So there's a thing called the migrating motor complex that regulates your gut motility. And so some people think, okay, I woke up first thing in the morning, I had my morning coffee, and then I did my business. But it's also because your gut is most active first thing in the morning, and it wants to just get rid of everything. Ah, so time of time of day makes time of day yeah. makes a big difference is what you're, what yeah. you're saying. So I may be more susceptible to having um, if I have a sensitive stomach, um, GI issues in the morning versus yeah, or you afternoon. could just you know train yourself to go every morning and just 
empty out and then start your workout. <laughs> okay. So is that a thing? So is that something that you can train your gut to yeah. be on a routine yeah, so or on a schedule? We actually talk to IBS patients or const uh, chronic constipation patients about this all the time is trying to mm -hmm. um, time your toileting the same time every day. So you can try to train your gut to empty at the same time. Um, and you just want to do that before your run to reduce your likelihood of need needing to go during that. And then use a squatty potty, I think is great because mm. that's, um, have you heard of those? It's like a little shelf yeah. that you can get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now is that, and, and I want to make sure that I'm thinking about the, the same thing. The last time I saw something that I felt like it was a squatty potty was, um, it was a fold out, um, mm -hmm. kind of a portable, uh, toilet. Um, so just well, it's like word? a fold out. It's like a little ledge that you can yeah. it, it, you can put on your toilet. So when you're when you're going to the bathroom, you're putting your legs up on it, and so okay. you're actually decreasing the angle of your sigmoid colon and making it straighter. So that uh -huh. helps you go more naturally, and you're not straining. You're it'll help prevent hemorrhoid formation because hemorrhoids happen from straining. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just helps you go more naturally. A lot of cultures, you know, they have squat toilets, especially in Asia. And that's how people have kind of been going for centuries. And it's actually healthy for the gut. Is there any other devices or medications or things that a person should take that will help train their system? Well, I think um, just having good fiber. And, and a lot of times in our Western diet, all the fiber sort of leached out of the things that we are cooking and the way that we process things, we're not getting enough. So I like, you know, Benefiber or psyllium fiber. It's over the counter. You can just get one heaping tablespoon and mix it in your sports drink or protein shake, mix it in water. It doesn't taste like anything. Mm -hmm. And that just trains your gut to be regular. And then probiotics, I think, are very helpful too, mm -hmm. because now with all the research about the gut microbiome, we know a lot of issues like IBS, for example, occur from an imbalance of the good and the bad bacteria in our gut. Right. So probiotics like a line or cultural floristore can help replenish the good bacteria. Some people get it from their diet if they like fermented foods like kimchi, kombucha, you know, yogurt. But, you know, sometimes people have a hard time digesting that. So I think the, the probiotics are very helpful. Okay. Now, are there any long-term effects that a person could suffer if they let these things go untreated? Say a person's stubborn, they keep running and they keep dealing with these issues. Is there damage that can be done to a person that just ignore these or ignore any type of damage? Yeah, I mean, so one of the most uh, one of the most significant things I've seen in my patients who are marathon runners is ischemic colitis, and they have bloody diarrhea, oh. and they can get pretty sick from that. So, um, you know, that happens because there are certain parts of the colon that we call watershed areas mm. that don't get enough blood flow. Mm. Usually the colon is a pretty vascular organ, but then they can get bloody diarrhea. They've been hospitalized, very sick, very dehydrated. And then usually they get better with increased hydration and supportive care. You don't usually need antibiotics for something like this, but you can get very sick. You know, if you're, uh, you know, that'll totally mess up your race. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, you would you would hope that they're, if you're dealing with this or dealing with any type of issues that a person would see a doctor or um, get it treated. Oh, yeah. um, but I, please do. If you have bloody diarrhea, you need to come yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess my, one of my last questions for you, what do you think is the most important thing a runner should do? A runner that suffers from GI issues. Um, what is one of the most important things they should do before going on a run, maybe a high intensity run? Yeah, I think, you know, consulting with a healthcare professional, a nutritionist and a trainer is very important whenever you're doing a high intensity workout, just to make sure it's appropriate for your body. And that if you have any underlying gut issues, how do we maximize that 
you know, and treat you so that you can get the best performance. You know, you should learn to listen to your body. Don't push yourself if you're feeling, you know, the cramping and the pains and it could be a sign of a more serious um, problem. Generally speaking, runners are in great shape. They're very healthy. So they tend to ignore like coming to the doctor, but there are certain things that, you know, you really should get checked out. So it doesn't make things worse in the future. You know, for example, untreated reflux can lead to Barrett's esophagus, which can be precancerous for esophageal cancer, very rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, if you're bleeding or having terrible diarrhea, these are all reasons to make sure it's not something infectious or inflammatory bowel disease or something else like that. So, yeah, I think, um, and that's, thank you. That's good advice because I believe sure. there's some, um, if you can get checked out, you know, as soon as you see symptoms of anything, it could, you know, potentially be life, life-saving. And even before you want to start a very intense exercise regimen, if you're training for an Ironman or, a, you know, a marathon or something like that, just talk, you can even talk to your primary and care and say, Hey, these are all the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, is my body up to par? Like, what are the things I need to do from a medical perspective to get me in the best fitness shape possible? Right. And you can talk to a sports medicine person. There's, you know, doctors who've been coaches for athletic teams, you know. Is there references or places online that a person can go um, that you would recommend to find, um, whether it be a a, um, gastroenterologist yourself? Um, Is there a a hub that, that you would suggest a person visit? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I use the AGA guidelines, the American Gastro Association guidelines um, mm. for different GI symptoms. That's kind of like what the doctors use for their decision-making capabilities through different flow charts and sheets. But then there's a lot of good nutrition websites too that talk about nutrition that's specific for runners. Mm. I think Mayo Clinic has one um, that's pretty good. Um, and that's sort of kind of like um, how to train for, for for upcoming marathons and that kind of thing. And so I think, you know, those are some good online resources. Thank you again to Dr. Nina Nandy for participating in this episode. You can listen to Nina's podcast, Small Talk, Big Topics, anywhere you get your podcast. As a reminder, runners, if you don't want to miss any new future episodes of my podcast, go to YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. Search for RVA Running Man Podcast and subscribe. Please support the podcast. And I appreciate that support. Thank you. Until next week, please be safe on the roads and trails. I'll talk to you later.